This podcast is made possible by Sage Intact and U.S. Bank. Hi, this is Jason Liberty, CFO of World Caribbean Cruises Limited, and you're listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 217. As a finance leader, are you driving driving change change in your organization? How are you driving change within your organization? In this episode, we speak to David Tuyo, CFO and COO of Power Financial Credit Union. But honestly, in our business, you know, we still have many banks and credit unions that are working from their old prompt and scroll DOS-based type screens, uh, you know, that are looking at green bar reports. And so we're moving on to that next step where we're looking at, you know, business intelligence. We're leveraging data warehouse. We're aggregating data. We're, we're warehousing data. And then we're, we're splicing and dicing it. And, and we're creating new positions. So like, for instance, we created a finance and treasury department where we've now um, hired a financial analyst that would, that team does is they, they continue to look for um, ways to enhance our pricing, to enhance our products and services, to look for member trends that we can um, help anticipate. Listen to our complete interview with David after these words from our sponsor. It's a question every growing business must answer. How do you scale your organization to accommodate growth while reducing risk? Sage Intech provides the instant visibility into deep operational and financial requirements that inform decision-making when scale is top of mind. By automating error-prone manual tasks and allowing your team to focus on the analysis of more accurate information, Sage Intech provides the visibility required to confidently scale your organization. Sage Intact is the only AICPA preferred provider of cloud financial management software. Hello, we're speaking with David Tuyo, Senior Executive Vice President and Chief Financial and Operations Officer for Power Financial Credit Union. David, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Now, David, He's had an earlier tour duty, uh, at least uh, one or two, uh, as a CFO, but he's also served as a CEO in the past, so we look forward to learning more about his career. But first, David, we'd like to get you a little focused on the evolution, your evolution as a finance leader. And uh, what we do is we ask for what milestones you believe shaped you for that role. What would those be? Uh, great question. I would have to say uh, I started off my career straight out of college as a financial advisor at Edward Jones Investments, uh, and I would say that that was a a, a, a powerful milestone in my career and a, a great place to start. But I'll get to that in a second. I would say that milestone number two would be um, being the interim chief executive officer for a large financial institution in North Florida. And then finally, the third milestone would be uh, spending time as a consultant on a variety of different initiatives with credit unions all across the United States, from Boston to San Diego and from Seattle to Miami. Um, with Edward Jones, the reason why I think it was so powerful to start my career there is because as a, you know, kind of finance and accounting uh, degree background pedigree, um, learning to go out and know the front the, the front line challenges of going door to door and building a business from scratch 
um, really gave me exposure to marketing, advertising, operations, HR, um, and so uh, acquisition of branches, acquisition of uh, real estate for office space. It gave me a, a nice perspective at a very young age to uh, understand the entire scope of a business, you know, from cradle to grave. So it was a, an amazing place to start. I learned a tremendous amount about finance. You spent a lot of time there, uh, and from an analytical perspective, analyzing um, companies, seeing what their true worth is, um, trying to get through the noise, so to speak, uh, whether it's quarterly um, calls or um, various meetings with uh, wholesalers and providers to the industry, and so it was. It was. It was a great time. And plus, Edward Jones spends a tremendous amount on training. And looking back, I got to see the importance of training for any position, but more so on the sales side. At Edward Jones, they spend more time in training than any other broker dealer in the United States, and have over fourteen thousand financial advisors today. The second milestone I would say would become is when I became the interim president CEO at Penn Air Federal Credit Union in Pensacola, Florida, uh, serving over 100,000 members. Uh, that financial cooperative was doing some amazing things. We, um, when I first got there, we were making about $600,000 in net revenue, um, and at that size organization, it's very low. We grew that to uh, close to 12, 13 million a year. Uh, in just a, a couple short years, and it was a great time. I got to have exposure to working and partnering, collaborating with the board of directors, understanding what the, the the governance challenges are from an organizational perspective that you typically don't see in a CFO role. And then finally, um, consulting. Uh, I think that that was where I got to really hone my skills on um, developing unique and creative solutions in different markets. And so. It's really not a plug-and-play um, business. So when it comes to credit unions and banks, it, we talk about how it's a commoditized business, meaning that the only differentiation really is going to be price from one to another, that a loan is a loan and a checking account is a checking account. But in all reality, that's not true. And when you're running a, a credit union, whether it's Miami, Florida, or Kearney, Nebraska, Sheboygan, Michigan, Boston, Massachusetts, New York City, San Diego, all very different, Beaumont, Texas, these are all places that I spent time and, um, and, and working with the teams there. And so uh, the diversity of working with um, people with, with, with various backgrounds, maybe domestic or global, uh, it was really a, a powerful uh, experience for me in my own personal development. But then also uh, the rewards of having the, of seeing people develop and, and execute and, and, and creating these higher performing teams. It's interesting you had uh, your consulting uh, tour of duty. Were you client facing? Yes, absolutely. So I would go and, and work um, with credit union boards of directors, with their senior management team, with their um, accounting and finance teams, with their ALCOs, their asset liability uh, committees, um, and with their front lines and with their, uh, you know, based on the situation, whatever it called for. Um, and so it was a, again, it was a great opportunity to work with credit unions in size from 27 million to up to $8 billion in assets. Okay, I think that's interesting because so many of the CFOs who perhaps came up uh, a more traditional public accounting path would mm -hmm. tell us uh, the opportunity to work uh, at different clients and see into their operations was really a terrific experience. So you have a sort of a similar uh, experience here, I'd imagine. How do you look at your sort of philosophy of finance. What sets it apart from perhaps other finance leaders, do you think? And 
with that in mind, what was this job you wanted to create? You know, great. Currently at Power Financial, we have a, a an extraordinary team um, made up of um, highly talented, skilled professionals that um, have tremendous tech, technical acumen. Um, but from from my perspective, I really get excited about finance. I mean, or, or finance, depending on what part of the country you're from. I I think that it's strategic. I believe that's fluid. I believe that it's the antithesis of being rigid. Um, and I think it's a, an area where most companies probably aren't as creative as they could be. And now I know when we talk about finance and creativity, sometimes we think about, um, you know, the 2000, uh, 2001 Enron situation and financial shenanigans of the past. But in all reality, when you have a moral compass that points north, uh, the, the the creativity in finance can really be a powerful tool for any organization strategically. Um, and so for, for me, trying to design a position that um, was both impactful to individuals from a soft skill perspective, but then also impactful from a hard skill perspective and tangibly seen in balance sheet management and optimization um, through the creativity that's engaged by bringing a collaborative team together to, to, to solve or, or push the, the vision to the next step of the organizational evolution. So that's kind of where, where I was going with it. And um, since over the last couple of years, been very fortunate uh, to have received a promotion to Senior Executive Vice President, Chief Financial and Operations Officer. So um, apparently, I think that that's, that's a philosophy that, that the teams uh, kind of created together. And um, they were working together to, to help Power Financial move to that next plateau, that next the next step in our in, in our uh, corporate evolution. So let's find out uh, something about Power Financial. Can you share with us and uh, what the current competitive landscape is like for its products or services? Well, we we work in a very unique marketplace in, in Southeast Florida, uh, the Miami Fort Lauderdale um, metropolitan area is, as everybody knows, a melting pot for um, people from all over the world, whether uh, we're known as a gateway to Latin America or um, regional headquarters for European companies, uh, for uh, companies looking to expand from Asia as well. So we kind of have this very unique area um, and, and, and a diverse marketplace where um, sometimes creating a, a message or cultivating a message, a single message, that resonates with everybody can be can be quite difficult. Um, there's a, a few studies that have been put out there regarding our marketplace and how the credit union message, the financial cooperative message, really resonates in in South Florida uh, uh, versus other metropolitan markets in the United States, and it is uh, the the least receptive of the credit union message. Uh, but in in spite of those challenges, we've had tremendous success. Um, the the market has is starting to recognize the value that we bring to the table the um, expert advice that we can provide in, in enhancing their financial lives and improving their lives, uh, creating more time for them to be at home with their families, more time to spend and invest in other areas, and not spending time bouncing from website to website trying to balance their personal financial lives. And so um, it's been it's been quite amazing to see that. Our, our loan balances over the last couple of years have went up over 50%. Our profitability is up tremendously as well, again, um, over 75%. And so we continue to grow, and we see it both tangibly in our results, but then also in our member testimonials as they talk about how we helped them and how we made a difference in their lives. Interesting. So can you share with us what are the, the key metrics that you rely on to reveal how Power Financial is uh, performing? 
And so, you know, each day we have a, uh, an automated report. So we say, look, you know, what are the critical things that we're trying to work on today? And it's almost like when you, you know, if you're practicing a sport, you know, my, my children play golf and, and swimming and they're also, um, they both practice the piano. They both play the piano. And, and so what do you do? You practice, right? You have a coach and you continue to practice and that's how you improve. And so we view it much the same way. What are the things that we're trying to work on today that we're trying to practice to improve each and every day? And right now that's, that's new accounts, that's new checking accounts, and that's new loans. And so we have a, a report that's generated every night uh, that I look at the first thing that I get in the morning generated in our overnight batch process. And uh, as soon as I get in the office, uh, you know, 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning, take a look at that report, and then I start to go to work from there. Uh, with that being said, there's also other quarterly metrics that we look at, and that's where we look at. Um, we look at something called the efficiency ratio. This is exclusive to our industry um, metric. It's like a golf score. So what it basically tells you is how many cents it takes you from an expense perspective to produce $1 of revenue. And so originally when I got here, our efficiency ratio was north of 96%. That is now down into the 80s. Uh, so it's like golf. You want a lower score. And so we continue to see that um, head in the right direction. And then, of course, we have our net worth, and that's very strong, running about 12%. And um, and then we look at our net promoter score. So the financial cooperative, we really only have three stakeholders in our business model. One is the credit union itself, uh, two are the employees, and three, and most important, are our member owners. And so we we don't have a fourth component or a fifth component where we're trying to serve our creditors or we're trying to serve uh, stockholders. It really is just those three stakeholders in our business model. And so we, it is important to us that our members are um, satisfied so from a no, net promoter score perspective. But then also we want to be easy to work with. And so recently we've embarked on creating a project where we're focusing on our member effort score. And so we want to know from our members directly how easy is it to do business with Power Financial. And uh, we view that as, as just another progression, another step in, the, in our evolution of how we serve and what we measure and, and making sure that our members are, are happy and that uh, they, again, have more time to spend with their families or investing in other areas of their lives. Nice. Dave, we like our guests uh, to share moments of strategic insight that they've had along the way with their careers. Uh, those are those moments, those aha moments, where suddenly uh, some insight comes forward and the business looks a little different. Perhaps there's a new opportunity that's been identified, or perhaps it's time to point the organization in a new direction. What would be uh, that moment of insight for you? Well, I've had I've had a lot of aha moments, uh, but I would say probably the one that's been the the, the the biggest part and play the biggest role in in who I am today, because we are just nothing more than some of our life's experiences, is um, the recognition and realization that uh, we need to develop sustainable business models. And so I've experienced both from a consulting and then also directly. And if you take my um, start of a, you know, starting out in sales and kind of a sales financial professional, if you would, um, I was always very much, okay, look, what can we do to get these numbers up today? And in our business, a lot of credit unions, a lot of banks, they look at um, indirect channels for loan growth. And that's our primary source of revenue growth is from loans and lending and and, and that and, and our lending activity, and so they'll look at car dealers, they'll look at correspondent lenders, they'll look at builders, uh, mortgage brokers, uh, commercial loan brokers to 
to kind of originate those loans for them and then, and then they buy the loans from them. Um, it is a very efficient process and it is a, um, can be, can, can be a, a profitable process, but at the same time, people are not coming to you because of your brand. People are not coming to you because of the value that you and your team offer. And so when we look at, you know, how do we create a sustainable business model? For me, it was the realization that it wasn't about, you know, getting that win today via buying indirect loans, but how do we create a pricing model, a product structure, a team structure to where people are attracted to come to us, where people see the value in working with us directly versus some third-party point-of-sale transaction. Can you share with us something about your workforce and how you manage its performance today? Um, in general, I always begin by asking how how big the workforce is. Our workforce is, is about 130 employees today, and those are full-time on staff. We do leverage a lot of outsource, uh, you know, ad hoc kind of partnerships that we have um, to manage our workflow, um, you know, when you have overflow, when you have overtime, those kinds of things. But we have 130 uh, in-house full-time employees. We run about $20 million in annual revenue a year. And uh, and so it's a, it is a, a very efficient workforce that we have here. As far as how we manage them, uh, we went through a, a really uh, a complete overhaul in our mindset and how we operate a year and a half ago. So January 1st, 2015, um, we decided that we were no longer going to be using individual incentives in our performance management system. And so that's very unique in our business. Our business has gotten very much incentivized for every little thing that you do. And what we found out was in the research and surveys that our employees were becoming just merely focused on, okay, what do we have to do to generate that incentive. You know, do we, we sell this product, we get this incentive. It wasn't about the member, it wasn't about the experience. And we were losing some some vital insights into our business and into our members, into our relationships with them. And so we went to a team based uh gain share program where uh it's paid out on a quarterly basis and the entire team is measured by the same corporate scorecard. And um our our teams reacted very well to that. And again I've already spoke to the results that we've had. And um, our, our member testimonials have, have been tremendous. And so um, trying to focus more on the, on the name in the front of the jersey and on the back of the jersey has been a, a vital component of our success. Other things that we've done is that we've also put in personal development plans in the performance reviews. So instead of just going by and saying, you know, did you do this, 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 and this, uh, we are looking at, look, what are your development plans? Where do you want to go? What is your career path? How can we support that? And we find that our employees are reacting very well to that, and they get excited about coming into work because now they're working towards something instead of just coming in and doing a job. What's the uh, uh, the talent market like for uh, Parafinancial? Is it is it tough to find qualified people today, or how's it how's it working? I don't mean to laugh, but it it, it is something that we a tremendous challenge in our business. We do have. Uh, six million people in our tri-county area. With that being said, you think that it would be quite easy um, to 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 find talent in our marketplace, but it's not. Um, you know, you know, when you look at the uh, the graduates of today coming out of the local universities, they're not going to school to become bankers. They're not going to school to become you know to make a difference in people's personal financial lives. They want to, you know, they want to be an engineer, or they want to be a, a professor, or they want to, you know. They want to go into computer science or technology, or they want to be a, a technologist of some sort, and um, or not entrepreneur, you know, marketing. 
those are those are big challenges for us to find you know good quality talent straight out of school. Now, we are able to access talent after we see some seasoning, but um, for our higher level positions, but for entry level, it is a challenge for us to find good quality talent. And then, and in, in, in on top of that, we take into account that as a financial institution, we have certain uh, requirements for bondability, and so from a credit perspective. Um, and, and that is also can be challenging as well because of what's going on with students in college today and how they're managing their, 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 their personal financial lives when it comes to, you know, um, some of these predatory lenders that are attacking these students at a young age, giving them money when they can't afford it. And it really does affect their credit scores and make them, um, make it to where we are no longer able to hire them. Wow, that uh, speaks volumes about uh, the costs of education today. But we want to find out as well how you're helping uh, this organization look forward. What can you share with us? So what we're trying to do is um, simplify our systems. And whether that's through single sign-on technology or in some cases, we're changing providers to help provide that 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 more tightly integrated experience or embedded experience that we're trying to shoot for, to where our team members and our members um, really have this very um, modern, convenient uh, workflow that they can work through and not have to guess about things. And and it's kind of all um, you know step by step. You hit you know next, then it goes to the next screen, so on and so forth. For and and that sounds simple, but Honestly, in our business, you know, we still have many banks and credit unions that are working from their old prompt and scroll DOS-based type screens, uh, you know, that are looking at green bar reports. And so we're moving on to that next step where we're looking at, you know, business intelligence. We're leveraging data warehouse. We're aggregating data. We're, we're warehousing data. And then we're, we're splicing and dicing it. And, and we're creating new positions. So, like, for instance, we created a finance and treasury department where we've now um, hired financial analysts that would that team does is they they continue to look for um, ways to enhance our pricing, to enhance our products and services, to look for member trends that we can um, help anticipate. We're we're leveraging predictive analytics uh, when it comes to marketing, but then also when it comes to asset liability management. So these are things that we're doing today. We're looking at um, our core system. We're looking at how can we involve that. Is there a better solution for us to be able to move to to help better serve our membership? And um, one of the things that I think that was so unique about us as far as forward-looking, um, you know, kind of a tangible takeaway is that we leverage what's called a cooperative pricing methodology. And so many people in our business, they'll look at their peer group and they'll say, okay, look, we're going to use a market-based pricing methodology where they're going to look at what the big banks are doing, they're going to look at what their uh, community banks are doing, they're going to look at what the other cranes are doing, and they're going to price accordingly without looking at their own cost structure, without looking at, um, you know, the member and, and, and trying to say, look, what's, what's our best way of really serving them? And what we came up with was, okay, look, if you're going to start from scratch, what is the absolute best way to price? And so when it comes to our, our, our loan products, as an example, you know, when a member adds something to the loan, so for instance, let's just start with an unsecured loan. It's one rate, right? It's obviously... It's a great rate, but it's still a higher rate. Let's say it's 8%. Well, then let's say they add a piece of collateral. Let's say now, now it's an auto loan. Well, now that loan has less risk. So now obviously we move that pricing down to, let's say, a base rate of 1.5%. And then if the member uh, protects the loan further, whether it's um, other types of insurance or 
uh, gap or, or some type of warranty, or if they choose a shorter term or if they put money down, then that rate goes down. At the same time, if the member has negative equity, and so many times we see that in a car loan, then at that point, then obviously it's going to be higher loan to value, so then we increase the rate. But as the member takes these other discounts, uh, whether it's if they buy gap, we earn uh, a piece of profit on that. We share that back to the member and we reduce the rate. So again, that's a, a, a cooperative pricing where, you know, we really try to give back every little piece that as the member gives back to us, we give back to them and so on and so forth. It's a nice circular way of generating, um, you know, repeat business, but then also serving our membership. Okay. We now enter our mentoring round where we ask you several quick questions to help offer advice to aspiring finance leaders. Have you had a mentor or mentors, David, along the way? I've had mentors my entire life, um, whether it was my golf coach in school, uh, golf coach in college. Uh, I had an insurance agent that was uh, helping me with my car insurance when I first got my first vehicle. And I'll never forget one thing he said in my life. He said, you know, David, sometimes, and again, again this is a, um, this was in the state of Alabama at the time in, in North Alabama, Huntsville. Um, and in the, in Huntsville, you have a, you know, NASA and, and this really, um, amazing kind of engineering background, very sophisticated marketplace. And he made it very simple. He said, David, sometimes you just have to keep the main thing, the main thing. And, uh, it sounds very simple, but in our daily whirlwind that we operate within with all the noise and distractions, sometimes keeping the main thing, the main thing can be a challenge. Um, and I think that if we did, if we all did that, we could all say that our jobs, our organizations, our families would be better off. Very nice. Okay. Okay. Forgive me. I was, uh, okay. There, there is something else I would like to add in that particular sure. area. Um, I have leveraged mentors, both formally and informally, uh, CEOs of other organizations, of other industries, CFOs. Um, and also I found some mentors in unlikely places. And so, um, there was a firm out of Arizona called DDJ Myers, and they were calling me to recruit for a particular CEO job in another location, and we worked through a process. And as we went through that process, I actually had some really engaging conversation with them because they had such experience working with a, a vast number of industries of all sea levels they had a tremendous value in our conversations because it wasn't just, well, they did this at this bank or they did this at this at, at this credit union. They could speak to, well, they did this at Microsoft or they did this at Walmart or whatever the situation might be. And so having that, that conversation with those recruiters from outside of our industry was an uh, unanticipated, unexpected, but very much powerful conversations over the years. Now, is there a piece of advice that you wish someone had shared with you as you stepped foot in the, in the CFO office? Just one piece? Just, just one piece of it? <laughs> well, that um, one I, nagging thing that you wish someone had told you. <laughs> I, I would say the most important thing for me, and, and this is, I don't think it's necessarily the thing I would give everybody, but for people of my personality type, um, I, I would say don't outrun the headlights. And so focusing on event pacing of the organization and your team, uh, your department, whatever, whatever it might be, is probably the most important piece of advice that, that I wish somebody would have gave me early on. Um, that you maybe will run at a certain speed, but you have to make sure the whole team can run at that speed in a healthy way to where 
the car is not falling apart going 90 miles per hour. You got to make sure you, you know that you don't outrun those headlights because uh, if you do, it's nothing in me, but but you can be surrounded by darkness. What personal habit do you think has contributed to your professional success? Um, I would probably say enthusiasm, empathy, and optimism. Those are probably the three areas I would I would I would say. I mean. Uh, I'm enthusiastic about coming to work. I'm enthusiastic about my job. I'm enthusiastic about my team. Um, and, and I think that kind of is generated from, from my passion to be, um, and my, and, and competitiveness too, a little bit. Uh, empathy for people. I mean, just being able to, um, understand where they're coming from, uh, try to understand, um, how they're coming about the conclusions they're coming to, understand their, their, their definition of success is a key component of that. So that way I can, better work with them and, and help them in any way possible. And then really just being, you know, authentic when it comes to, to, to working with them as far as um, not just giving them lip service, but also, you know, actually uh, showing it in my actions, being thankful and appreciative of their efforts. Do you have a favorite personal productivity tool? Yes, actually I do. Um, this is one I picked up from my current CEO actually. And so um Prior to now, I really didn't have one, um, not a formal one anyway, outside of a, uh, you know, some type of basic task list or to-do list. But um, he used a, he created a, a an Excel dashboard, if you would, of by department, by people, um, of what they're currently working on. It's kind of a project list. It sounds very simple, but when you start working through that, um, then from there, I created, you know, weekly huddles with my direct reports. And so we spend 15 minutes standing room only, no sit-downs, no wasted hour-long meeting. We start at 11, we're done at 11.15, and it's really just hitting stuff that's on that dashboard. And it kind of keeps you focused. These are the things that are most important. These are the things that are urgent. And um, and so it's been a fantastic tool for me. And, uh, and like I said, everybody has access to that, whether you use Google Docs or you use Microsoft Excel. It is a fantastic tool, simple, and uh, very effective. Would you have a book you'd like to recommend to other finance leaders or aspiring finance leaders? Sure. I mean, as a finance geek, we have a whole library full of books that we'd love to talk about, uh, you know, with authors like Frank Fabozzi and, and very technical skills, whether it's, you know, uh, talking about, you know, Dr. David Sweden or whether it's my, for my doctoral work that I did recently. Um, but I think that the two books I would highly recommend everybody in the finance profession to try to take a look at would be one, um, by Jim Collins, Great by Choice, and then two uh, by Marcus Buckingham, Go Put Your Strengths to Work. Thought Leader listeners, don't go anywhere. We have more of our interview after these words from our sponsor. You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. Okay, we're up to our final question. Over the next 12 months, what are your priorities as a finance leader? Um, so 
for us, it really is about efficiency. We're embarking on as we upgrade our systems, but we don't want the new systems to just do what we've always done. We want to really take an analytical approach, an industrial engineering approach, and, and make sure that we are doing proper process improvement and gaining the efficiencies that the newer systems have to offer. Um, that's one initiative. Two is going to be acquisition. Uh, so we're obviously seeing banks and credit unions continue to shrink uh, each and every day. On average, one per day is being merged away, um, whether it's credit unions or banks. It's one per day credit union, one per day bank. And we want to be on the acquiring side of that equation. And then finally, uh, enhancing the member experience. Again, just continuing to focus on becoming easier, cheaper, and faster to do business with. David Tuyo, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Thank you. Hi, it's Jack. At CFO Thought Leader, we're interested in hearing from you. We want to find out what you would like to hear more of or less of. And so we've created an ever-so-short survey in order to learn from you. The survey is now available right on CFOThoughtLeader.com's homepage. It's open to career finance executives of every rank. Meanwhile, it's that time of year again. CFO Appreciation Day is quickly approaching, and we are once more firing up our kiln and making our CFO Thought Leader Mug 2019 edition available to survey takers who enlist two or more of their finance team members to complete the survey. We'll mail you our also coveted CFO Thought Leader Mug at zero cost. So visit us at cfothoughtleader.com and give us an earful. We would greatly appreciate it. Some rules and restrictions may apply.